Last week we began looking at the book of Obadiah. Obadiah is so short, it's only 21 verses, often overlooked, and many people are not very familiar with that name. We're familiar with Jeremiah and Isaiah and some of those major prophets, but Obadiah might be short, but he's major in message. And last week we, we looked at the whole context of what Obadiah was dealing with. It was a time when Edom, which was this nation just across the, the, the Dead Sea, just east of Israel, had been in conflict with Israel for generation after generation. And there came a time when the Babylonians rose up and became a, a, a worldwide empire, the known world in that day. And during that time, the Babylonians came in and they took Israel captive. It was the southern kingdom of Judah. They took them captive and carried them off into exile. And Edom, Edom refused to help. Edom instead gloated and celebrated what took place in Israel. They also saw it as a grand opportunity to go in and loot everything that they, that they had. And so as we looked at those early verses last week, we asked this question, when we see injustice in the world, why doesn't God do something? And the answer that we see from Obadiah is that he is not just the Lord of Israel. He's the Lord over all the nations. And so one day, everyone will give an account. And so when we ask that question, why doesn't God do something? God, God certainly is doing something. And he's not overlooked anything. You know, the Bible tells us that these people's lives and the things that they did and said, this was recorded for our benefit. In fact, it says in the New Testament that they were given as an example to us. And when we think about the book of Obadiah, Obadiah, it's not just Israel that was given as an example to us, but Edom as well. And so when we ask the question from Israel's perspective, well, why doesn't God do something? Well, so we look at this next few verses that describes what Edom did. It leads us to the question, why don't we do something? When we see people suffering, when we see people in need, when we see people experiencing injustice, what are we going to do? in response. And so the title of this second message in the series is Serving the Suffering. Obadiah, we're going to begin in verse 10. There's, there's no chapters, it's so short. So verse 10 through 14 is where we'll be at today. I want to ask you, would you stand with me as we read Obadiah's message together? Obadiah is describing this nation of Edom that bordered Israel. And here's what he says. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother, in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. 
Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand today how you viewed the actions of Edom. And what I pray it would cause us to reflect upon our own life, to search our hearts and say, what have we done to help those that were in disaster, to help those that were suffering, to help those that were in crisis? For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that we learned from God's response and his message to Obadiah to this nation is that to watch others suffer without trying to help makes you guilty of the violence done to them. This is the judgment of God upon the nation of Edom. It was not Edom that went in and overtook Israel. It was not Edom that carried them off into captivity. It was the Babylonians. So what did Edom do? Nothing. That's the problem. Nothing. Except loot and take advantage of what the Babylonians did. And so God holds them accountable for standing by and not interceding and, and helping. The Bible says in verse 10, because of the violence done to your brother, Jacob. What he's talking about here is that there were two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And from Jacob descended the nation of Israel, and from Esau descended the Edomites. And so the Lord, when he describes the, the southern kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, known as Judah, when he describes that, that kingdom as Jacob, he's pointing out the fact that there's a, there's a relationship between Edom and Israel. They're all, they're all descended from the same family. There's, there's a connection here. It should have prompted Edom to want to do something about the injustice and the violence that the Babylonians carried out upon the nation of Israel. And so he says, because of the violence done to your brother, Jacob. When we think about this for a moment, as diverse as our world may be, the Bible teaches that we all descended from one family. We were all created by one God. And we were all made in the image of this one God. The Bible also teaches us that we all have one problem, that's sin. The Bible teaches that God has one solution, and that's Jesus. The Bible tells us that God has one offer, and that's the gospel. It's the same for every person. And as different as we may look at times, as different as we may speak, as different as our cultures may have taught us how to behave in different situations, we all share this in common. Just as Edom, God says they should have looked on Israel as a descendant of their ancestor's brother. They should have recognized that they all share this space together. It should have driven them to have compassion and desire to intercede and to help. So because of the violence done to your brother, Jacob. Now notice that he doesn't say because of the violence you did to Jacob, 
They weren't the ones that did the violence. It was the Babylonians. But yet God holds them responsible for the violence that the Babylonians did because they did nothing. They stood by and did not intercede. And so he says, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. You shall be cut off forever. If you go home today and try to identify Edom on the map, you won't find it. The spot is still there. Today it's Jordan. But there's no Edom and there are no Edomites. When the Lord said you'll be cut off forever, he meant it. Their people group ceased to exist. Like so many people that worked against Israel in the biblical times. The Canaanites, the Philistines, the Moabites. None of these people groups exist today. No one can identify them. And the Lord said about these people, you should be cut off forever. So we think about the extent to which the Lord cast judgment on these people for their inactivity. It should teach us something about how serious the Lord takes our concern for other people. The Bible says in verse 11, on the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. He's describing when the Babylonians came in and took the land and they carried off the people into exile. And what does he say about the Edomites? He said, you stood aloof. And here's the judgment of God. This is what he says. You were like one of them. Well, they weren't one of them. But because they stood by and watched and did nothing, the Lord says, you were, you were like one of them. We would describe that today as being an accomplice to crime, to being complicit in action. The Lord says, because you did not intervene and you did not help, and you did not do something about the suffering that you saw. He said, you were like one of them. Proverbs 24, 11 through 12. Listen to what the Lord tells us about how we're to respond when we see people in need and suffering. The Bible says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? The book of Proverbs, the Lord tells us when we see people that are in dire, desperate need, do something. The Lord says there's going to be people that are going to say, well, Lord, we didn't, we didn't know anything about this. And the Bible tells us that the Lord knows better. It says, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay a man according to his work? I think one of the reasons people struggle to understand the relevance of some of these Old Testament books is because we try to make a direct parallel. I say, Pastor, you know, I, I understand that Israel was carried off in captivity I understand the nation of Edom stood by and did nothing, but uh, Edom is gone today, and, and, and I'll never be in charge of a nation. And so I don't really see 
how any of this applies to me because I'm never going to be in a situation to do what God expected Edom to do. And I want you to understand that there's, there's broad, broader principles that apply here. Just as God called this nation of Edom to intervene and to do something about what was taking place in Israel, I think God calls us to look upon the suffering of individuals. There's so many people today that fit this description of Proverbs when he says, rescue those who have been taken away into death and hold back those who are stumbling into the slaughter. We see people today that, that are destroying their own lives and destroying the lives of others. Think, think about some of the people around us today that are, that are suffering. When Jack Henshaw was here recently from Sunrise Children's Services, which is a Kentucky Baptist ministry to orphans, Jack said there's a new kind of orphan today. Not a child that doesn't know their parents, not a child that doesn't have parents, but a child who both parents are strung out on drugs and unable to take care of them. They're absent in body and sometimes absent in mind and sometimes both. And we see this as an epidemic across our state. This is across the rest of the nation as well, but here in Kentucky, drugs are destroying homes. They're destroying families. Some children are fortunate enough to have grandparents who can raise them. Others are not so fortunate. And we see all this happening in our state. How, how can we see it and know it's going on every day and not, and not do something? That's why we have our children's services, which has an orphanage and provides adoption services. Try to connect these kids with families. This is why we support this and pour our money into it. Because when we see what's going on in the world, how can we not do something? This new type of orphan certainly represents people who are suffering in justice today. Think about some other people that are suffering in our community today. There's so many elderly people with little or no family support. Some of them don't have family. Some of them never hear from their family. They sit at home. They sit in assisted living. They sit in nursing homes. And they never see or hear from anybody that isn't paid to take care of them. We recognize what a painful thing depression can be and loneliness. How can we not do something? And isn't this what James said when he said, true religion undefiled is this? To visit widows and orphans in their affliction. When we look in the world and we see injustice around us and we see suffering and pain and we don't do anything, we, we're just as guilty as Edom that stood by and watched Israel taken off into captivity. Many of our young people today are facing bullying at just a whole new level. 
Some people brush it off and say, well, it's just part of being a kid. Kids are mean. They'll, they'll, get, they'll grow past it. Some of them never grow past it. And some kids that are victims of it never get a chance to grow out of it. Recent study in Britain discovered that at least half of suicides among young people are related to, to bullying. When we see this taking place, we hear about it. We have to do something. We have to do something. See, Pastor, we can't help everybody. And that's true. It's very true. 2008, my wife and I did the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace Program. That's a great program. Uh, we learned a lot from it. We, uh, we don't follow it to the T, but, but we, we incorporate a lot of it into our life. It really helped us. And there's a principle in there. The guy that wrote that program, Dave Ramsey, a lot of people think it's just about getting out of debt, but that's really just like the first step of his program. Ultimately, he talks about living a life of generosity of helping other people building well so that we might be in a situation to do something about people's problems. As he talks about uh, the concept of family members who ask for help and friends who need help, he, he said something in there that just really uh, uh, made me stop and think. And he said, broke people can't help broke people. He said, if you're going to be in a situation to help others you got to get yourself in order got to get yourself in order and so we begin to think about well, what do we do we look around the world we see all these needs we look around our community we see all these needs we can't we can't go sell our home cash out our 401k and give everything away tomorrow we'll we'll be the one standing in the assistance line the next day so we can't help everybody but surely we can help somebody Surely we can look at where we work. And we see people around us that are, that are suffering. Perhaps we can intervene. We can't visit every shut-in. It's not possible. But we could go make a visit here and there. We could adopt one. And call and check on them. Edom stood by and did nothing. And we see the Lord's judgment on that. We learn to watch others suffer without trying to help. It makes you guilty of the violence done to them. There's a second thing that we see in verse 12. We don't need to rejoice when we see people suffer for their sin. The Bible says here, but do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. The Babylonians came in. They overtook Israel. They carried them off into exile. And Edom was just excited to see it. They, they gloated over it. You see, Judah was carried off because of their own sin. The nation, the northern kingdom of the nation of Israel was carried off by the Syrians. Judah was carried off by the Babylonians. And the Bible is crystal clear that God allowed both of those to discipline his people for their sin and rebellion. And when Edom celebrated and gloated over the misfortune of Israel, they, they gloated over God's discipline of his own people. 
They gloated over people living in the consequences of their own, their own sin. There was a, a pastor in Atlanta, a pastor at a really small church, just kind of down the road from me. And he, he was uh, very concerned about the way our association was handling its finances. And so he, he confronted several people about different issues and reports and really kind of upset a lot of people. He became friends with a seminary president. That seminary president recommended him to, to a very large church in Nashville. After he'd been there about 18 months, he had an affair with his secretary. He had to resign. I wasn't at the meeting, but a fellow pastor told me that at the pastor's meeting there in Atlanta, the guys had heard about this. And it deeply grieved him because he said they were, they were celebrating. They were celebrating because they had been offended. And they saw it as justice and retribution. Exactly what the Lord is talking about when he says, do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Sometimes when you're, you're pouring into somebody and they won't listen, and then they experience the consequences of their lifestyle, it's, it's hard not to say, I told you so. But our ultimate concern and our continual attitude toward others should be an earnest desire to see them reach repentance and experience the joy of the Lord. This is why the Bible teaches us here not, not to gloat when people suffer because of their sin. Jonah, Jonah had a great desire to gloat over Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and the, the Assyrians were, were vicious people. Jonah had great reason to despise them. But God wanted to see Nineveh come to repentance. And so he called that preacher Jonah to go there and to preach. And Jonah went and he preached, and to his frustration, the people listened. They came to repentance, and the Lord forgave them. And Jonah desired to gloat over Nineveh's destruction, but instead he, he pouted because he witnessed firsthand the heart of God. See, we need to remember that just as we were created by God, every murderer, every child molester, every terrorist, they too were created in the image of God. And his desire is not to destroy them. His desire is to see them come to repentance. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. So we need to be careful that we don't get a heart like Jonah instead of a heart like Jesus. We need to be careful that we don't long to see people suffer the consequences of their sin. But instead, we long to see them come to repentance and faith that they might be forgiven and experience what we too 
have forgiven. Verses 13 through 14, the Lord teaches we don't want to take advantage of God's people in their moment of weakness. The verse 14 says, Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. And do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. It seems like every time a church splits, there's some church leader, some pastor who's a little bit excited, a little bit anxious, kind of scarf up some of those scattered people. Instead, it's a grievous. It's a grievous. Leviticus 25, 7. Listen to what the Lord says about our attitude to one another. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. Israel, they were carried off into captivity in, in Edom that had been so evil and been a thorn in their flesh for so many generations, stayed in their land. And many people may be asking the question, why, why doesn't God do something? And, and, and Obadiah tells us he's going to do something. He's the Lord of all the nations. He's the Lord of Edom. He's the Lord of America. He's going to do something. Everyone will give an account one day. But as we look past sentiments of Israel and we look at the sin of Edom, we must ask the question, why don't, why don't we do something? So I challenge you today. I challenge you to look around. To begin in your house, your kids, your parents. To look among your friends, acquaintances. And ask, are there, are there people that are suffering? Are there people that are in need? They may just need a kind word. They may just need a visit. They may need financial assistance. But to know they're suffering and to know they're in need and to do nothing it makes us just like Eden. So let's have a heart like the Lord and let's serve those that are suffering. Let's have compassion. So that when we see people in need, we do something about it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us. Even when you knew everything that we would ever do, you still had compassion and mercy for us. And God, I pray that you give us compassion and mercy for others. Lord, give us a heart to desire to see people saved. Give us a heart with a desire to serve. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You know, as I think about the message today of, of Obadiah, it, it really 
It, it contradicts everything about our natural self. I'm well aware of that. We, we weren't born thinking, let's humble ourselves and serve others, were we? Uh, most of us were born and if you watched television or got out of the world, most of us were taught to, to look out for ourselves. But Jesus modeled a different way for us. The Bible says that he, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know why he did that? He did it so that you and I could be saved. When Jesus died on the cross, it was our sin that he paid for, not his. It was our salvation that was made possible. So here's what I want you to understand. It's easy to look around the world and see the Edoms of the world. You turn on the news and maybe it's a nation that's a terrorist. Maybe it's a neighbor that's a nuisance. It's easy to look around the world and see injustice. But the Bible says that all of us have done something wrong in our life. The Bible calls this sin. And the reason that Jesus came was to pay for our sin. The Bible teaches that we're not able to pay for it ourselves. But the good news is, if we'll believe in faith, trust in him, and ask, he wants to give us the gift of forgiveness. So if there's never been a time in your life that you've received this gift, if you'll pray in sincerity, and ask God for forgiveness. He will forgive you. He'll give you a new life. He'll give you hope and a future. And for those of us that have received so much compassion and so much mercy by receiving this gift, how can we not have compassion and mercy for others? So when we look and we see people in need, let's do something about it. So I ask you today to search your heart for a moment and say, just ask yourself, what do I need to do? Friend, I want to invite you. As we sing, now's the time to make a decision. Whether it's to pray and call upon the Lord for the first time or just to pray and ask God to give you some guidance or, or to give you a, some compassion to help. However God is speaking to you today, I want to invite you to respond to him as we sing. Let's stand together.
Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for another day, another opportunity to gather your house and worship and fellowship and hear your word, Lord. We just ask that you be with us as we leave this place and watch over us, lead God and direct us and forgive us where we fail. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.